This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. Happy New Year. I am Michael Duojek from the Friday Night Drive. And I'm here with the Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin, as we get you all caught up on everything that is happening here in the sports scene. Um, got a lot of holiday sports action to talk about and some, um, some fun uh, new things as uh, 2022 is upon us. So why don't we get things started really quickly here. But before we do that, um, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you like us and uh, give us a nice little review. Always appreciate um, the positive support that we get from all of our friends and uh, listeners and uh, make sure that you are spreading the word as you are at these events though um, it seems like spectators are being limited more and more as we are heading into uh, this new year um, in the winter but um, before we get into that let's just do a rundown of what's going to happen in this week's episode of the podcast we're going to do our usual four quarter format first quarter we're going to talk about holiday hoops in the second quarter we are joined by Nutrier boys basketball coach Scott Perky. In the third quarter, we play way or no way or weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we preview some wrestling as uh, both Nutria and Loyola have, have had good starts to the season. Um, so we want to talk about them. And uh, obviously, uh, only in pretty much like a month left before a postseason action starts with them. So um, good to get into that. But why don't we recap some hoops here as we uh, start here in the first quarter. Um, and last time we talked, Joe, last week we uh, talked about uh, Nutrier taking on Manuel and West Aurora, both winning those both of those games. Um, Nutrier taking on Simeon in the semifinal action in the Pontiac uh, Boys Basketball Tournament. And um, Joe, I know you were busy watching the Loyola girls basketball team play uh, with Young out in the Montini, class, uh, Montini uh, tournament, but... Um, some controversy with this Nutrier-Simeon uh, game where um, Nutrier was up a bunch um, heading into the final uh, minutes and uh, Simeon able to claw back into it. Um, really, I mean, I, I think a lot has been made about this um, phantom call where um, sportsmen like, or, you know, whatever uh, the, the call was. And, um People were just talking about didn't be able to see it or anything like that. And I do think that was a big momentum changer. Um, but I do think that Nutrier kind of did make some uh, mistakes toward the end of the game. And I know we'll hear from Scott Fricky in the second quarter. But um, while that phantom call did seem to be a big call, um, Nutrier was up a lot to start the fourth quarter um, and just couldn't finish things off against uh, Simeon um, in overtime. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, before we get into that, let's make that pretty clear that they were up at one point 15. I think it was 12 at the end of the third quarter and they, they got right. 15. And your fate is absolutely in your hands when you're up 15. Um, it, it would have to be every single call going, you know, a concerted effort to, to get you to lose by a variety of people for, for that to happen. So um, a couple calls don't go your way. That's not why you lost the game. But so that Simeon, that, that comeback was epic. Um, they chipped away, chipped away, then got a couple big chunk plays, which is weird to say in basketball, but a four-point play in basketball is a chunk play. <laughs> and, uh, 
and and they chipped away and then um, were able to get steals down the stretch, which is all Simeon and, and bad play by Dutrier. So um, kudos to Simeon, obviously a top five team in the state, if not the best. But I think Dutrier proved that they're right there. Uh, they're a top five team. It was disappointing to see that because they lost in overtime to Simeon in a game where they had a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter that they dropped out of the top 10 in uh, a couple rankings. I'm not going to mention any specific, but it's pretty silly to me. But that call, um, if we can go back to that, was on an inbounds play. And um, Simeon was losing by a significant margin uh, with plenty of time left. So they were pressing, full court press. And uh, to get open, uh, Jake Fegan did, uh, did kind of a, you know, semi-circle to the middle of the court and then a push-off to come back to the ball. That happens on about every single inbounds play in a press break. Uh, that maybe I've ever seen to get open. You give yourself a little bit of room. You either, you either are super duper uber fast, or you give yourself a little cushion, a little push off with your shoulder or your elbow. And that's, that's how you get open. It, it happens to everybody. Or you hold your defender off with one hand and put the other hand out. It's, I didn't see anything egregious there at all. If you want to call a foul because it was a, 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 a super push off, or maybe he threw and extended his arm to a egregious degree, uh, maybe you call that. I wouldn't, I, I, I rarely see it, but he called the ref an intentional offensive foul, which is two free throws and the ball. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that called. And, and Scott Fricky was talking about that too. He's a lot more um, poignant with his words than I am right now, but um, I, an uh, intentional offensive foul is so strange to me. Um, you have to, that's, by the letter of law, you have to go out of your way uh, to make that foul and make contact and make it egregious. And that's, it's just not a call that's made. And throughout the tournament, there were a lot of calls like that, you know, non-traditional fouls, technicals, uh, intentional fouls. And that just mucks up the game. It's not, you don't, technical fouls are rare. If they're not rare, then what are they there for? Um and, you know, you want to keep the game in check, but none of these games were out of hand. We didn't have almost fights in any of these games. These were very competitive, high-level basketball games. Some of the best teams in the state, and we're bogging them down with technical fouls and intentional offensive fouls. That's just not the way the gameplay should go. So it was unfortunate, and that, that was a big boost to their comeback. You know, another big boost to Simeon's comeback was this four-point play in which um, I'm blanking on his name. Maybe you can remind me. Uh, Drake? Yeah, Jalen Drake. Yeah, he hit a. Jalen Drake. He did. You know, he did. A, I think he did a pump fake and got his defender to come up on him a little bit, and then just threw up this three point falling away, flailing, and ran into the defender and got the foul call, uh, which was some could say a bit controversial. Didn't look like much, but the ball somehow fell into the hoop. Uh, so pretty special play there. And then they got a steal down the stretch to tie it. Uh, they actually got another steal and almost won it. Um, in regulation, but they did in overtime. So uh, pretty uh, amazing game uh, between two very, very high-level teams. Simeon went on to beat Kenwood, the two-time – not Kenwood, I'm sorry, uh, Curie, the two-time champs. So uh, obviously um, they were the team to beat. Nutria had them and, and just lost it. Yeah, I think that, that's a big thing. I think a lot of people are making a big thing out of that um, phantom uh, call and then obviously the three-pointer. But, I mean, when you're up 15 to start the, the quarter, I mean – you feel pretty good and you just got to maintain what you got to do. And uh, Simeon was able to uh, get back into that game and just kind of, um, they started to shoot well. They started, got three pointers. They pressured Nutria for some turnovers. 
um, both in the fourth quarter and in overtime. And um, Sermin just showed why it is one of the best uh, teams, if not the best team in the state. But uh, Nutria moved on to play in the third place game uh, later that night on Thursday. Joe, I know you were at that game where um, you saw Nutria take care of business pretty easily against Bennett Academy. 53 to 42 to finish third at the Pontiac Holiday Tournament. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of good three-point shooter shooting happening in that game. Um, Kyle, um, Kyle Thomas for Bennett um, scored uh, 20 points, but you pretty much saw a good resilient uh, performance against uh, Bennett for Nutrier. Kind of something you want to see after. I mean, that's hard to do. I mean, you lose a tough game against Simeon earlier in the day, and then you just have to go back a couple hours later and play another basketball game. I mean, that's tough to do, and it showed uh, Nutria's uh, resilience there. Yeah, it certainly did. One more thing about the Simeon game. they You mentioned their shooting. They shot 12 of 19 from three-point range. That's absurd. So more credit to Simeon for they're not usually a shooting team. They're a, they're a transition and a half-court team, and um, I mean, not a half-court, uh, um, at-the-bucket team. So 12 of 19. Awesome. Unbelievable. And they weren't even shooting that well for the first three quarters. That was the thing that their three point shooting wasn't even that good for the first three quarters. So a lot of that happened that those 12 really happened in the fourth quarter and overtime, obviously. Yeah. So you got to give them so much credit. Um, but in that game, I, you know, I don't think it can be understated and I know coaches like to understate um, the difficulty of a third place game, just because, you know, you want to pump up your team. You want to make it um, as it's an, as important of a game as any other game um, that you want to win. Um, but those suck. They really do. You know, especially if you have championship aspirations, but even if you don't going into the consolation bracket, that first game in whatever consolation bracket, you're just coming off a loss. It stinks. It's very hard to get motivated for, especially in a team sport where you're all kind of, you're all working together and put it all out there, whether it's on the court, the field, and now you got to come by back and play another tough team in, in a game that doesn't, really matter for what your original goals were it's very difficult to do um so kudos to Nutrier, and i gotta say you know bennett was in the same spot obviously bennett had championship aspirations as well and, and they played curie really tough so uh when they came out and Nutrier hit i think they hit their first two jake fegan then he got blocked on one but then i think they hit their next three or four so their first six field goals were threes and so I think they were six of seven. Then they were nine of 12. They just kept making the shots. Uh, Fegan was, was the catalyst there, but you had shots from Noah Shannon, Josh Kirkpatrick, uh, Carlo Kolak, Jackson Monroe backed up, stepped out and hit one, one of only his three shots after having an unbelievable game against Simeon uh, on the night. Uh, they played crazy minutes in that game too. So we saw a lot of subs on both sides, a lot of reserves getting in the action of a very um, high quality tournament uh, level of play. Um, but uh, yeah, Nutria really, they just kept um, uh, Bennett at an arm's length. Even the outstanding play of their big man uh, for Bennett couldn't really cut into that lead too much. I think it got to six at one point in, I think, the third quarter, and uh, Nutria hit some more threes. So uh, they were just on fire. I mean, what are you going to do when a team shoots like that? Um, while they ended up, I can't remember their exact number, maybe like 12 for. 20 or something above 50%. I'm pretty sure that start just doomed Bennett and really put them in the driver, Nutria in the driver's seat. Yeah. So congrats to Nutria. Obviously you gained third place at a tough tournament like that. Big, uh, uh, something to look forward to. And we'll look forward to hearing from Scott Fricky to hear more about that uh, Pontiac tournament in the second quarter. But why don't we jump over now to the other game you're at on Thursday, Joe, you're in Montini 
um, to watch the Loyola girls take on a really tough Whitney Young team. Um, Loyola suffering um, just its, uh, I think, second loss of the season, uh, falling, falling, falling to uh, Whitney Young um, in a matchup there. Like we mentioned last week, the Montini uh, tournament becoming a shootout, shootout just because of uh, um, everything that was going on. But Loyola falling 50 to 44 to a t- tough uh, Whitney Young team where you saw some resilience, Joe, but uh, the Ramblers weren't able to uh, keep up toward the end with the Dolphins. Yeah, um, Whitney Young's a good team. Obviously, they're one of the best programs in the state perennially. Uh, they're, they're a power. Now, they're really young. Um, so I think they've taken their love. Huh, they're really young. Um, <laughs> they're inexperienced on the varsity level. Uh, they, you know, they're led by a freshman. Um, they've got a couple juniors that are uh, go-to scorers uh, and defenders. So um, they may not be a state championship team this year, but they're climbing back up. And they took their lumps of the tournament. I think they lost to the other two top teams, Naperville North and maybe York. I'm not sure if they also lost that game. But anyway, um, good team, very good team. And they showed it in the second half. Um, Loyola started out hot. Loyola was 15-1, and one, uh, 16-1, I'm sorry, coming into that game. They're a very good team, but they can get a little one-dimensional on the scoring side. And I think when they started to turn the ball over uh, – that's what happened. It got very difficult for them uh, to find inside scoring like their men's team, like their boys team. They're not very big. So the length uh, really affected the length of Whitney young. Um, They get in the passing lanes. They disrupt a lot of your offense that really upset um, loyal is kind of smooth passing game to get people open. Um, We saw some big shots from some youngsters down the stretch for Loyola. um, But it was, it was more about uh, Whitney young's destiny Jackson and, um, um, Skyler blanked on her name, but, um, Skyler, very, very good wing for them. Um, had a nice game, um, big on the defense bench. She had, I, I would guess a dozen deflections. Maybe, maybe I'm over, maybe exaggerating that, but she had a lot of deflections, um, and just kind of worked loyal out of their offense. So they'll work from it. They're 16 and two. They're a very good team. Um, Giordano was hot early and got him off to a start. Uh, Morgan Van Horn didn't get many shots because of that defense, but she can score it too. Uh, kind of a varsity leader for them. So uh, Loyal would be there to the end. They just ran into uh, a pretty good opponent. Yeah, I think that's uh, the big thing that we learned there. I think we're, I mean, again, this again, this is what the holiday tournaments are kind of for. You kind of learn more about yourselves and what you're able to do, what you're not able to do. And uh, um, it should be interesting how Loyola responds by this. They got obviously conference matchups here for the last uh, couple uh, months of the season before the playoffs start. But um, it will be interesting to see how they do, and we'll hear talk more about the Ramblers um, in the third quarter in way or no way. But why don't we jump on over now to the second quarter, where we are joined by Nutria Boys basketball coach Scott Perky. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Nutria Trevians finished third at the Pontiac Tournament. Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with him after the third place game. Um, so what are the folks at home going to hear from Coach Fricky? Yeah, we talked a lot about just the tournament as a whole. You know, we we started talking about just, you know, the resilience to come back and grab third place and what that game was all about. But he couldn't he couldn't stop talking about the Simeon matchup and how could you? It was a classic. It was a uh, two of the really I think they're two of the top five teams in the state. I really do um, went at it right there. So um, so we talked about that and, and what kind of led to the decline and, and where they can improve going forward in the second half. All right, let's take a listen. Well, you know, the third place game normally 
is a tough game, but when you go into overtime against Simeon, and I played the, you know, the the starters and, you know, our, our key players' heavy minutes in the game, that just kind of weighed in. But, you know what, it is what it is, and, you know, the tournament is set up that way, and, and, you're, and you're exactly right. You know, the, the game's a lot easier when we're executing our stuff and hitting threes and, you know, <laughs> playing good defense, then, you know, everything kind of falls into place. I didn't, I didn't catch the, the first two games, uh, but just look, first three maybe, but looking at the scores, um, your guys' defense seems to be, well, where it needs to be. Do you feel good about how the yeah, defense oh, plays? Yeah, I, I definitely feel really good about our defense. I think we're getting better defensively every time we play. Um, we're communicating better. Um, you know, but there were times in that Simeon game where they didn't score, you know, there was multiple minutes that they didn't have a field goal in the game. And, you know, that's not an easy thing. And, you know, to go back to the Simeon game, you know, they're not typically a three-point shooting team. They're a team that gets to the rim, you know, and um, I'll tell you what, they shot, I, what did they have, 12 of 18 from three? Yeah. And if you were to tell me that Simeon, the way they get to the rim and offensive rebound, that they were going to be 12 of 18 and we were going to have a lead with a minute to go, I'd, I'd be shocked. Well, let's go to that game. It seemed like there were uh, um, a lot of unique unique things down the stretch there. You guys were up by 15 in the fourth, and they kind of whittled away till that final two minutes. What happened right there? You know, they just hit. It's not like we were turning the ball over. I mean, I thought we were doing a good job of securing the ball. They, you got to give them credit, man. They're a high-level team. You know, um, they get a pair of 6'9 transfers from Homewood Flossmoor. You know, I mean, they basically put together their team, and it's an all-star team from Chicago. And, you know, it's it's, it's difficult to hold them down an entire time. And they hit every time they needed to make a basket, they hit a huge three. You know, we were up 15. They come down. They come off the screen, hit a, hit a really tough three to cut it to 12. Um you know, and it just kind of, and for them to, to dwindle that lead down from 15 to basically taking the lead, and then for us to go back up six, you know, and then they, we, we, we had some, obviously, some tough calls go against us. And, you know, it, it just seemed like there was, there was nothing going our way, and yet we were still up six. They throw in that um, triple pump. You know, and I had reporters come up to me afterwards saying the kid shot fake Jackson. Jackson jumps straight up, and the kid just puts his shoulder straight into him. You know, it should have been an offensive foul, and they give him a, you know, a three, and the basket somehow goes in. I don't know how it went in, but it did. You know, so then it's two. Um, we're doing a good job handling the ball. We, you know, we, our kids are, you know, they're getting hammered, held. Jake Fegan's back is scratched up his you know i mean it was yeah. it was a, an exact situation that we needed to be in to make us better you know but we needed to get a couple of those calls I and mean, they're pressing and they're reaching and they're holding and we were getting it you know and then they end up tying the game and and we don't you know our philosophy is we don't call timeout with you know under 15 seconds left after a team ties it and we're going for a last shot we wanted to get the ball into uh Peter, our point guard, and, and they did a, you know, they did a great, they're so quick, they did a great job of taking that away, and we ended up turning the ball over again, yeah. and, um, you know, going to overtime, but, you know, overtime, they hit a three, 
we come back and execute a play to cut it to cut it to one. I think they they get a basket or two free throws. We execute another play to cut it to one. You know, it was it was just a, it was a great high school basketball game, and you know, Jake Fegan gets called for an I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but he gets called for an intentional foul, which really hurt us, and it was it was just a, you know not a good call. Yes, I mean um, I did see that, um, yeah. and I'm you know from obviously not the best camera work at the high school level. I I don't know what happened because that looked like what happens on every single pressure break in high school basketball. Well, I mean, Jake Fegan is getting mugged during the whole game. I'm telling you, he's getting held and bear hugged and slapped, and and he steps into a guy to to get open, and the guy just blatantly just falls back acting and you know i mean i I don't think i've seen an intentional offensive foul before working to get open to catch them i mean that that's just crazy two shots in the ball in a crucial situation an intentional offensive foul i mean that so i mean we were working against a lot and we were going through a lot of adversity but i love the way our kids responded they worked their tails off. We had, you know, one of the best teams in the state on the ropes, you know, and then hopefully it's a learning experience that next time we're in that situation, we, you know, we're tougher and we do better in that situation. Thanks so much, Scott, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week in the second quarter. Always appreciate getting your guys' insight into what's happening and uh, maybe some things that we might have seen while we're out there or we're not out there. But why don't we jump on over now to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of way or no way where joe and i argue about five propositions that i say we argue whether way that could happen no way it cannot happen let's get a fresh start here in 2022 um usually want to get some good debates out of this so let's see what happens here um we talked about new chair boys basketball we just heard from coach scott fricky um so based on everything you've seen so far from this team they've lost to gbs lost to simeon both two very good teams and obviously the gbs game um very uh low manpower there but um way or no way that this new cheer boys basketball team has you thinking about a super sectional berth away yeah they do um i think you know coach freaky talked a lot about uh, not a lot but he talked about uh how they come back out of that Pontiac tournament stronger in the second half. And I don't know how you can't that tournament's so packed with talent, even their first two wins, which were rather decisive against uh pure Emanuel and West Aurora. Those are good programs. Those are quality teams. And uh, they took it to them. They had Simeon on the ropes and they beat Bennett, another top 10 team, in my opinion. So uh, that's a good new team. It's a very good t- new team. One of the best we've ever seen come out of there. I've ever seen come out of there um they've got state title hopes not just super sectional hopes uh i really believe that so um to get out of their sectional i believe they'll, they'll play gbs and if not in the super sectional I'm, I'm pretty sure they will and maybe uh maybe a chicago opponent in the supers but uh they want to go down state so I, i'm certainly thinking about the super sectional uh so way yeah i think uh um i'll go away with you there i think they obviously have a chance for a super sectional it will not be easy um, doing that, though. Obviously, they've got Evanston in their super sectional uh, or in their sectional. Um, they got GBS and the sectional will be taking place at GBS. So if you have them potentially seated as the one and two seed in the sectional and they go all the way through, GBS could be having a home game to go into the super sectional, um, which would be really interesting. Uh, 
I do think it's way. I think way that's definitely a very possible thing. I do think um, Nutria is at the level of GBS. I think their first matchup doesn't really show how good the two, I mean, the matchup showed how good GBS can be, but I don't think that matchup really showed how good Nutria can be. And um, I think their, their second matchup, hopefully I know there's a lot of um, cancellations and teams playing shorthanded because of the huge surge we're seeing right now with COVID and Omicron and uh, all that kind of stuff. I am hoping that when these two teams play together um, later in the month here at toward the end of January, that uh, um, it's the matchup we expected the first time where both teams are healthy and both teams um, are able to uh, play at full strength because I do think that that'll be a great matchup. And honestly, it might be a sectional final um, preview for what's going to happen. I know obviously Evanston will have something to say about that, but I do definitely think, I mean, just looking at the Barrington sectional, um, based on just looking at what that sectional is, I think this GBS sectional is definitely much harder. And honestly, the sectional title game might be harder than the super sectional game. Um, but we'll see how that goes as we move forward. All right. Second question here is we talked about Loyola girls basketball in the first quarter. Way or no way that at this point, after their uh, loss to Whitney Young, Loyola has you feeling better about them as a team than they did at the beginning of the season. I, yeah, I mean, 16 and two at the turn with what they graduated, uh, I think they have blown away my expectations. Um, I didn't think they'd be 500, but I, I mean, I, if you were to say 18 games, I think I would have said probably, you know, 12 and six would be pretty, pretty amazing um, for what they lost. Like, like we've talked about a hundred times, um, five starters who went to um, five different colleges to play basketball. So a very good team last year for Loyola girls. So the loss to Whitney Young um, is what it is. I think they are pretty close to Whitney Young. I think they probably beat them 55 times out of a hundred. So, um, but it's also a very good team. So um, it doesn't change what, what, what changed my expectation is what they've done throughout this whole stretch and just not losing games with with that youth on their roster and figuring out a whole new lineup and, and uh, rotation. Uh, pretty, pretty great team. Um, pretty impressive stuff. So no, it hasn't changed my mind. Yeah, I, I think, uh, um, I think way, I think that this, what Loyola has done so far, it does have me feeling better. I think um, I never doubted what this team could, like, I think we both at the beginning of the season were like, I mean, Coach Schoenicker is a good team. They always have a talented, um, talented program. Um, we just, there was a lot of inexperience and just stuff that we didn't know about. And uh, as, uh, as they played more games and obviously as they've done more um, this season, they have proven that this team is good. And, um, 16 and two and losing two tough games against two, tough opponents. I mean, yeah, I think this team is, has me feeling much better about what they can accomplish in the postseason than I did at the beginning, just because I think we know much more about this team um, than we did um, at the beginning of the season. So way um, I do think that right now I'm feeling better about this Loyola team than I did at the beginning of the season. All right. Loyola boys hoops. We talked about them last week um, falling uh, to fourth place in the Jacobs tournament. Um, way or no way, Joe, that this Loyola boys team can make some noise in the playoffs. They are in that GBS sectional that we talked about with uh, Nutrier, Evanston, and GBS, and obviously have some tough opponents there. But um, any where do you think that this team can make any noise uh, in the playoffs this season? Um, did you say what? What team did you say, Loyola boys? Yeah, Loyola boys. Yeah, it, you know. I that's a team that we've talked about before because of how they play the game 
um, at that methodical pace with really strong defense. And this year is no different. They've, they've got a lot of wings. They basically play, I mean, five wings um, in their lineup. Um, I think it's, I think it's important uh, to know that they can stay in any, any ball game. So because of that, they can make a run in the postseason. Uh, you know, and they've showed with their hot shooting that they can beat folks with that, with, with their points um, um, led by, you know, uh, a couple of really good shooters in Miles Boylan and Alex Engro uh, at the point position. So uh, I think they can surprise some people. I wouldn't call myself optimistic about it, to be honest, um, just because they are so young and, and they do sometimes get bogged down in the scoring. And as we saw, a big man can really dominate the game flow uh, because they're so small. So um, I, making noise, um, I, I'll say, I'll say no way they don't go too far, but I think they'll, they'll be competitive throughout. I think I'll go away. I do think that they can, well, it depends on what you consider making noise. Right, Winning, right. You know, making noise is like going, I think that they potentially could win us. I mean, could potentially win a regional. I mean, looking right now at this GBS sectional, I mean, are they the number four seed? Or are they a five seed? I mean, obviously I think you put um, based on right now, just based on results we have, I think you probably put GBS one, Nutrier two, Evanston three, but then who's that number four seed? I mean, you got Taft, Ben Steuben, Maine West, um, Conant, uh, Glenbrook North, Maine East, Maine South, Rolling Meadows, Schaumburg, Niles North, Niles West, Loyola. Um, obviously I'm not as, uh, um, as aware as how, how, how every team is doing there. But would you not consider Loyola to be a four or five seed in that sectional at that point? So I do think that they can potentially make some noise um, and uh, uh, potentially win a regional and then play in the sectional and then maybe not make as much there. But I do think that this Loyola team um, has the potential to make some noise um, in the playoffs. I don't think they have it. Just based on the opponents there, I don't know if that means winning a sectional. I think that potentially means winning a regional um and uh just based on the seating and all that kind of stuff so um way i do think that they can make some noise i don't think they'll be a cinderella um but i do think they, they have the potential to make some noise in that sectional okay all right let's move on over the nutrier girls gymnastics team fell to gbs in a dual matchup there um so way or no way joe that this nutrier uh, girls gymnastics team can rebound and win out its uh conference meets and win out the conference meet to at least share with GBS the CSL South? Oh, good question. Um, I think they can. Do you have the score of that meet in front of you? No, I don't know where I saw it, but I definitely <laughs> saw that GBS won it. I don't know. I think it must be on Facebook or something because I wasn't able to find it on Twitter. I do think GBS has a step up um, this year. Nutrier's been scoring um, under 140, I believe, in the 138s. Um, and I think um you know hopefully they improve and tick that up to 140 that gives you a shot at state but gbs is kind of already there so i think the conference might be gbs's this year i i, I expect nutria to compete for it um and at the at the conference meet it's a little different story um because you can uh you know say in dual meets you know you finish one two but in a conference meet you might be one and GBS might be five because there's four other teams in between you in an event. And that way you gain a little more points than GBS. So it could happen. Um, but I do think GBS is just pretty well-rounded and, and a good gymnastics team. So I think it's GBS this year. I'll say Nutrier can go undefeated, but they won't win conference. So no way I think is the answer to that one. 
So I found the results. Uh, GBS defeated Nutrier 133.85 to 132.45. Where the one, low 130s? I saw him score 138 earlier this year. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, so we saw that. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they lost a couple of uh, um, some gymnasts with everything going on and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I think, I think I think no way. I think GBS is just the better team this year. Um, and I think they'll be able to uh, hold on, um, hold off Nutrier, I guess, for that CSO South title. All right, Nutrier uh, Boys Swimming and Diving competes against GBS um, this Friday in a big dual meet as these two powerhouses in the CSL South um, compete against each other and likely will decide who wins the CSL South. So uh, way or no way, Joe, that this Nutrier Boys Swimming and Diving team can beat GBS on Friday? Well, I say way they can. Um, Nutrier Boys don't lose dual meets. It's just, you know, we've talked about it a dozen times and, and their depth, I think, their one dual meet loss after like in the past decade has been to GBS in the past couple of years. Um, they're one, you know, once or twice, but um, you know, they just don't because of that depth. And I do think they, they sport that again this year from what I've seen. Um, so I think, you know, if your question was uh, they can beat them, I will say way they certainly can. Um, I haven't, to be honest, we haven't caught up with them too much this year. So I'm a little, um, you know, it's a little, um, I'm a little talking out of school a bit um, about specifics um, about the scoring, but I think uh, from what I've seen, they're a good team and I think they'll, they can beat them. Sure. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. I think uh, way it's possible. I think Nutri probably has the revenge mindset going on with GBS. GBS has been um, kind of uh, controlling the rivalry there the last couple of years, just based on um, beating uh, Nutria for the first time in forever um, a couple seasons ago, and then obviously some success with them last year. Um, so I do think that uh, way Nutria can win or defeat GBS, I think it's going to probably be, you're seeing the two of the better, better teams in that, or two of the best teams in the division and two of the better teams in the state facing off against each other. Um, so it should make for a fun um, battle on that front. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we talk some wrestling. Um, we got some fun uh, matchups going on here as we both of our um, area teams are competing really well. We got some um, top ranked uh, wrestlers as well. So um, good to kind of get that going as we got some uh, wrestling uh, coverage coming up this upcoming weekend. But um, Joe, why don't we start with uh, Loyola? Um, obviously the Ramblers uh, have been able to do really well. They're getting there. Um, they're getting the wrestlers kind of into it. It took a little bit of time with the football um, season running long and that sort of stuff. And we, we've talked earlier in past uh, episodes of the podcast just about how good um, some of these wrestlers are and how good they can be, um, you know, how good they can be at uh, winning um, a state title. But I do think like when we talked about Mike Williams, obviously doing really well, Danny Herbert doing really well, um, Macy Adiodi, obviously, um, is a big uh, wrestler to talk about when it comes to state and winning a championship there. But um, as they head into um, the rest of this regular season, as they got some conference uh, matches going on, um, what are you really expecting to see out of this Loyola team as uh, we move forward here? Well, I think Loyola's, you know, they've kind of shown this before in the past is occasionally <clears throat> they'll put some really quality wrestlers out there but they rarely have one of those really deep teams that you see at like a Montini or that you see at like, um, you know, even a Nutria or, or GB, GBS this year, um, where it's just a roster full of talent and skillful wrestlers that are going to score for you. 
Um, I think Loyal is putting one of those teams out again where it's just uh, a handful of guys are going to be really good on the mats. But other than that, they might struggle. So against big schools, like we saw it against Marist, I think they lost 60 to 18 or something. Um, they're going to struggle. But at the individual tournament, when we get to that point, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, at least a couple Ramblers get into uh, the state qualifying round. And that's Mike Williams and Odiati, as you mentioned, and then a few others get into the sectional round and compete there. And those are the Herbert um, three and some others. So um, I think we'll, we're going to continue to see that just really solid individual performances at tournaments. Um, and I think they've been off for a couple of weeks here with the winter break, but, uh, and then maybe not the team wins you're used to seeing, but uh, that's still great for the program is, is getting those, those kids on the state. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday um, and they uh, have a quad meet against Providence Catholic Mount Carmel St. Rita. I know Mount Carmel, one of the best teams um, in the state with the amount of talent that they have going on on Friday, they have a, a try meet against brother rice and Marmion Academy. So, um, a lot of good things happening there, a lot of tough opponents to take on, but um, it should be a lot of fun just to see what those individual wrestlers are able to do and how they're able to compete because um, at this point, I mean, just talking to other wrestling coaches that, um, in the area of, uh, for the Northwest Herald, I mean, just talking about staying healthy at this point. I mean, I, tonight I was supposed to cover a wrestling match and they got canceled because of COVID and um, I mean, that seems to be the thing for all the sports at this point is just trying to stay healthy and try not to mess up your opportunity of, you know, competing for a state championship and trying to be healthy and all that sort of stuff. So it will be really interesting to see how loyal some of these Ramblers develop moving forward before uh, the CCL championship in uh, January 22nd at Mount Carmel and before regionals start at the beginning of February and sectionals and then all that sort of stuff. So um, it'll be really fun to watch how these individual wrestlers are able to develop and uh, move forward. But um, let's jump on over now to Nutrier, where I know that you're hoping to uh, catch some action there. We've talked about Nutrier a little bit earlier in past episodes of the podcast, talking about uh, a tough loss to uh, GBS. Um, obviously, the CSL South, the tough division uh, when it comes to wrestling. But what have we kind of not seen or seen from Nutrier? And what are you kind of hoping to uh, see from some of the wrestlers as uh, we deal with the final month here in January? Yeah, Nutria is a very good team. Um, they've got top end talent um, in Jack Cummings and Matt Boyer and Wilson Wright, just to name a few. And then they've got a pretty steady uh, arsenal of supporters um, in that lineup. So they're good. You know, I talked to, you know, our athlete of the week this week is Matthew Boyer, who wrestles at about 150 for them, 152. And I talked to him a little bit about the loss to GBS. And he said it was, it was unexpected. They did not expect to get kind of punched in the mouth there. And they did. Um, they were undefeated going in in duels and they thought they'd come out, you know, they were the favorites in the conference because they won it last year, uh, but they didn't. And now GBS kind of is in the driver's seat there. So, um, so, so they're a good team. I don't know if they're as good as last year or maybe GBS just took a giant step forward, which can happen um, with, with changes to the lineup. So um, I think they'll, they'll keep winning duels They've got seven duels this week. In a, they got a mega duel on Saturday, um, so a few there. And uh, they're going to keep winning those duels and, and rack, up, um, rack up a really good record um, as, as a program, which we haven't, I guess, in the, the recent memory, past 10, 20 years, we haven't seen. It, but the past three, three or four or five, they've been really good. So um, they're definitely on, on – they're, they're reaching a point where they're a perennial 
perennially good, solid team and one that you know you're going to have trouble with in, on the mats. So, and then the top talent from Cummings, who's one of the best in the state. I believe he only has one loss. He just won his division at the Midwest or Mid-States Classic, which is in Wisconsin. Um, he was the only Nutria winner. Um, so he's one of the best, and you can expect to see him as state, and I think they'll get a couple more there too. Yeah, I think that'll be really interesting, and they're going to get plenty of opportunities to wrestle now. Um, most of December, I mean, most of their uh, meets were canceled just because of, I assume, COVID and everything going out. But uh, on Wednesday, today we're recording this on Wednesday, January 5th, they travel to GBN Thursday. They travel to Taft. Friday, they're uh, hosting Niles West. Saturday, they're at Wabanza Valley for that mega duel that you talked about. So um, they'll get plenty of opportunities this week to uh, um, to figure out what they're doing, maybe get some rust off because they, uh, like you mentioned, they competed at the Mid-States at Wisconsin Whitewater. But other than that, they uh, haven't really gotten a lot of action. And so it should be really interesting to see uh, what they're able to do as we move into the final month of the wrestling season here. But uh, make sure you catch up with the Record North Shore for all the latest updates there for wrestling and for everything else as well. So that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, whether that be Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Android, whatever. Make sure you check us out there and spread the word. We always appreciate the support. Um, and thanks, as always, to all the players and coaches. Good to get some insight. Check in with the record northshore.org for all the latest stuff um, when it comes to your North Shore sports. And make sure you're checking out my work at the Friday Night Drive for all your latest football updates as we are here in the offseason. And um, a lot of uh, junior days are going to be happening pretty soon. So good to get that stuff in there, too. But for Joe and I, a pretty good uh, first episode of the podcast for 2022. Uh, so thanks for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.